0: An ironic media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K All
1: right. Today in the podcast, I have Jennifer Catlin, and she shares her near-death experience, but also how she uses hypnotherapy to take her clients back to the space between lives where they can find out what their purpose is and why certain things have happened in this lifetime. She also takes them back through hypnotherapy to other lifetimes so they can gain information about themselves, but also gain a healing. I really love this conversation. Jen is so open, so loving, and so kind. I know you're going to love what she has to say. If you want to know more about Jen, you can go to jennifercatlin.com or visit her on Facebook at jennifercatlinhypnotherapy. But for now, here is Jennifer Catlin. Let's get started. Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. Today on the podcast, I have Jennifer Catlin and she is a hypnotherapist, but she does the most incredible work And actually, I've never met anybody else who's doing this work. So that's why I wanted to have her on the podcast. I want to also just say, you know, that since we're talking about hypnotherapy, I probably like 10 years ago went to see a hypnotherapist and I remember driving to the hypnotherapy appointment and I was like having an argument with my twin sister at the time. Who knows about what, but I was so heated and I'm like, this is never going to work. I'm going to walk in there. I'm so, you know, in fight or flight, I'll never be able to be hypnotized. Sure enough, I sit down on the couch and the lady starts doing the hypnotherapy session and we're working on my lungs and clearing my lungs and healing my lungs. And all of a sudden I'm like way under and don't even realize it. And I'm traveling, walking through my lungs and seeing some information and all that. And the whole time there is uh, what looks like a light that is going up and down my body in a very rhythmic pattern. I assumed it was a flashlight and it was there to help me like get into a deeper meditation or whatever. So I came out of that meditation and I said, that was a really cool technique using that flashlight to help me go to, you know, (laughs) meditation or whatever that I don't even know how to describe it. And she goes, what flashlight? And I was like, shut up, show me. You definitely put it behind you she was like, I, there's no flashlight. I don't know what you're talking about. So that really was like so crazy. Cause I was like, well, it was so warm and it was so bright and it was so soothing. And we did wind up healing my lungs. And due to censorship, I won't say exactly what happened afterwards, but it was a great thing that happened. Anyway. So the, I want to just say like, I, I really never thought I'd be the kind of person that could be hypnotized. I guess I was really, really naive. <laughs> it worked really great. And that's kind of the point is that we have this control over our mind where we can let go, you know, especially if we do a lot of meditation. So Jen, welcome to the podcast. Sorry, that was a long story. Great. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Can you please explain to us about hypnotherapy? Like, how does it work? It's actually something that we
0: are, we come in and out of this state. It is tied to deep core underlying belief systems that we have based on experience, conditioning, but it's something that we experience all the time. A lot of people don't even realize it. So thing that most people can relate to is a lot of times when you're driving, especially on a highway, mm-hmm. you know how you start getting daydreamy. You're still awake. You're aware enough to be able to control the car so you can drive, but you're daydreaming. And then all of a sudden you forget how you got from point A to point B because you mm-hmm. were somewhere else. Right. That's hypnosis. So autopilot. (laughs) Yes, it is that daydreaming, imaginative kind of state, which isn't always pleasant, though. It can happen, it does happen whenever we're in a state of worry. Anytime we're worrying about something, again, we're in that imaginative state, which isn't about what's happening right here. It's Mm -hmm. more imagining what might happen. So people who worry a lot are actually really good at hypnosis and they don't realize it. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) A lot of times they're surprised about hearing that. Like, am I going to be able to experience this? And I'm like, well you're actually living in that state most of the time. So yeah. <laughs>
1: wow. Yeah. So I was a worrier, you know, way back when, yeah. I mean, in my family, Me we worried about the weather and things like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Interesting. You are a psychologist. You were a school psychologist. How did you get into yes. doing hypnotherapy?
0: Yeah. So it was never the plan. I began my career early on a couple of decades ago plus in school psychology. And I also did teach yoga at the time. I worked with kids who had some special needs and did some yoga therapy and I taught adult yoga classes. And so I was a little bit familiar with some of the spiritual realm a little bit, very, very, very little bit. I did it a lot for stress management. I wasn't really into exploring much beyond that. Fast forward... In my very, very, very early 30s, I'm in my 40s now. I got a tick bite. I had a positive test for Lyme disease and Ehrlichiosis, and of course, that wreaked havoc immediately. And I'm very fortunate that I'm one of the ones who did have a positive test because I know a lot mm-hmm. of the people don't get that. And so I knew I had that. But then a year and a half or so later, before it progressed, so I was treated initially. I don't believe I was treated long enough. So symptoms went away immediately. But then as soon as I went off of the treatment, things started coming back. Like very bizarre things, which we often hear about tick-borne illnesses. Usually when I hear something bizarre, I'm like, have you been bitten by a tick? Yeah, right. (laughs) And so I didn't put two and two together at the time, though. I didn't relate it at all to that. So I was just continuing to function and live life. Just these weird things were happening with my heart, flutters, just different sensations that I was experiencing neurologically. And then I happened to meet somebody in the town I was residing in who I had this experience out of the blue. Just looking through their eyes, it was like this voice jumped out of me. Like, woohoo, we made it. And like, I recognized that person. And at the time I was, I'm still married. I was married. I had kids, like very, very young, baby, toddler kids. And I felt this deep sense of recognition. This was nothing that was on my radar at all. But after that happened, I started getting these, what I call downloads. I don't know how else to describe them. It was just like downloads of information. A lot of it was how to work with emotional energy and Mm. heal emotions and emotional wounds. And I had a private mindfulness practice. I was teaching people at the time and I started using these techniques that I had never experienced before and they were working fast. (laughs) And I thought, what is going on? Well, at the same time that that was all happening, the physical stuff started really ramping up. Again, I just tried to... I was kind of ignoring it (laughs) at the time and just continued to live life. I didn't know what was going on. Eventually, I started to see doctors because it was starting to become scary. Nobody knew what was happening. Then it really started progressing. I progressed eventually, had gut paralysis. I had AFib in my heart. It felt like my brain would swell at times, like a lot of head pressure, a lot of buzzing. Neurologically, just weird sensations. But neurologists was like, you don't have MS. I mean, they tested for everything. Nobody knew what was going on. Second, I mentioned, you know, I was really healthy and felt fine before I had Lyme. (laughs) And like, this is happening. I was cut off. They would not talk about it. They wanted nothing to do with it. Nope, you were treated. You're fine. It has nothing to do with that. Well, I ended up in the ER many times over the course of that year, many times. And Finally, it was one ER doctor who saved my life, who pulled me aside and said, off the record, if you were my family member, I'd go explore late stage Lyme. I think this is related, but I can't Mm. put that in your chart. (laughs) Wow. So there's a whole thing around, you know, regulations with that and treatment with Lyme disease. So. I took his advice and started exploring. It took me going outside of the Western medical system and working with several functional medicine providers and a naturopathic physician who were able to get me recovered again. I still, every once in a while, have a little bit of neurological stuff, but very mildly compared to what I know a lot of people are experiencing, it did get better. But during that time, before it got better, I was also going through hypnotherapy training Because prior to the physical stuff happening, when I had first met that person who I recognized and all these downloads were happening, I was getting these crazy visions I had never had before. I thought I was going nuts. And I met with a friend of mine who's a clinical psychologist. And I was like, you need to evaluate me. Something's (laughs) happening. (laughs) I'm going crazy. I don't know what's happening, but you just need to check me out. She listened to everything I had experienced and what had started this event with the recognition of this person. She said, I want you to read a book. And she handed me the book and let me borrow it. And it was... I don't know if you're familiar with Brian Weiss. He's a medium, right? He does past life regression. Oh, okay. Uh, Got it. Yeah. So he used right. to be a psychiatrist. Yes. Cool. I had never heard of past life regression before. Wasn't in my realm of experience. So I read it and it triggered something. You know, that deep sense of inner knowing.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you ever had that? Like, oh, you just yeah.
0: know something. I felt that. And it was like, I have to explore this. I had already just spent a bunch of money going to deepen my mindfulness practice to get a professional's training. And my husband was like, Really? <laughs> we're not like, you know, we had young kids. We weren't at a point at that point where we're just going to spend more money. Like, you don't even know what this is about. And I said, I just have to do this. I know mm-hmm. I have to. And my gut intuition was so strong. So I did it. It was just clinical training. At that time, hypnotherapy trainings often did not include past life regression training unless you went for that separately, which I did, but I hadn't had it yet. So during just the clinical training, we were working more with emotional processing and things like that. I was practicing being a client for somebody who was facilitating, practicing, facilitating a session. Hmm. We were working on confidence of like (laughs) setting up a business. That was it. Well, normally in hypnosis, just like when you're driving a car, you're awake. You're aware, you're in control during the session. You're Mm -hmm. just more open. It is like you said about that letting go process. What happened to me during that session is not something that's ever happened again. It's not something I entirely understand at all. It's only happened for a blip of a second once in all the clients I've ever worked with. But my conscious mind was not present. It completely turned off and I was just somewhere else suddenly. But it Mm -hmm. didn't feel weird to me. So I came into this as I mentioned with a western psychology background and a very analytical logical mind. You know, like if I didn't experience something or have validation, concrete validation for it, I wasn't going to believe it. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, totally. <laughs> I think that has helped me now work with a lot of clients who have those analytical logical minds because I get that, but I also did have a deep intuitive side as well. I just didn't give much credit to it at the time there i was transported somewhere else I, and i didn't i had no awareness of it though that i was in the room physically but mentally somewhere else it was just like i was just there the person facilitating for me was just reading off <laughs> of a script and doing guided imagery and had no idea i was experiencing this so i found myself in the spirit realm as a light being in no body it was just like a light but i knew it was me and i was with two others lights <laughs> And then there was like a teacher light. And I was familiar that it was some kind of instructor. And we were in human school. Hmm. Yeah. They were lighting up a diagram with lights, different colored lights of the human body. And this is what it's like to be human. And (laughs) it was like, I'm watching this from like, I wasn't in myself as the light at the time. I was watching it from behind. And again, no awareness that it like of my conscious mind trying to analyze it at all. It was just like, yep, it all just made sense at the time.
1: You have an awareness that you're that one light being and then yes. the two others next to you. Okay. So that's so crazy.
0: Yeah. And it just felt totally natural. Like, yep, this is what we do <laughs> every day kind of thing. And so the facilitator in the room where I was physically started asking me questions and my conscious mind popped right back to her with no awareness that I was jumping back and forth at all. Mm. And I know now, had my conscious mind been more present like it usually is, I would have analyzed the heck out of the entire experience. And I would have said, I'm just making that up. What is that? like? Because that's how I was at the time. I didn't believe in any of this stuff, really. So my conscious mind needed to be not present in order for me to really... I think, experience what I did. So I started answering her immediately. Just the questions about this confidence stuff. And then she goes back into imagery. And as soon as she did that, immediately I was somewhere else again. Mm -hmm. This time, I was on another planet. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Except I, again, was somebody who at the time had not heard of... I'll get into Michael Newton's work in a little bit. Never heard of it before. Didn't know who he was. Well, I heard about who he was at the training, but I didn't know anything about him. I hadn't read his books. Didn't know what the work was about. So I'm on another planet. It was very visual. And it was a very dry, rusty, orange-colored planet. Mars. (laughs) I know. What do you think of Mars? That's exactly (laughs) what you would think of that it looked like. It felt like it was a totally other dimension, though. I mean, it was just not anything... I couldn't see anything beyond that though. It was just immediately what was there. And then there were three beings there as well. And the immediate feeling I had, as soon as I saw them, where have you been? Like, where have you been? And it felt like my family in the deepest sense of what you can imagine family feels like. And there was this energy in the space that felt like deep, deep unconditional love that doesn't even exist here something I had never felt before. And you could almost feel it in the atmosphere. Well, I don't know if there was an atmosphere, but you could, <laughs> I hear you. if there was, you could feel it. Like this is my human brain trying to make sense of the experience. So it was extremely emotional. And again, no awareness. Now I can tell you if my conscious mind had been present for any of that, there's no way I would have felt deeply emotional as I did because I just wouldn't have bought into what was happening at the time. But it felt, the emotional part of it felt incredibly real. The way they looked probably would have been frightening for most humans, (laughs) but I thought they were just beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And at first, they were speaking in sounds, and they were almost like clicky kind of sounds. Hmm. The closest I can get to is like dolphins, but it's not (laughs) that either. (laughs) I mean, in terms of earthly experience but I understood everything they were saying. Like it was just normal. And then it became telepathic. Again, I can understand everything. And they were giving me messages that you have to go on. You have to continue past this training. And it just felt like, well, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. Even though my human self at the time had no plans for that. So the person in the room started counting up all of a sudden. All of a sudden, I heard her voice. Like I hadn't heard her voice through any of this because I was just there. She started counting me up. They started fading and they were like, see you soon. (laughs) (laughs) And I burst into tears. Like it felt like I just had the biggest loss. Like I had found something that I didn't even know I had been missing before. I Mm. think a very, very deep part of myself did. Cause when I was little, I used to look up at the night sky and Mm. just cry and feel like I had been misplaced.
1: I felt like that too.
0: You did, so you mm-hmm. have that you have that recognition, that awareness of there's like a home that you don't really know, right right.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's the weirdest thing. It actually stopped about three years ago, but up until mm-hmm. about three years ago, every time I looked at the night sky, I would have an aching in my heart of missing. Whatever out there, I don't. Yeah. Know, but it was like, yeah, it was like my home is out there. I know somebody else who used to listen to the radio and talk to the radio because <laughs> she thought she could get to, you know, oh. her, her family members on another planet or something like that. Or maybe she did. I don't even know. I can't remember. Right. But anyway, it's it's so interesting. It is,
0: and it's when I started having that experience of looking up at the sky and feeling like I was in some foreign place, <laughs> foreign land. It was after a surgery I had when I was younger, when I stopped breathing, I felt, I feel like something happened at that time in that time period where I had stopped breathing, but I don't really know, you know, exactly what that was, but I always felt a very big connection to this guy. I just never, especially getting through my adolescent years, I just didn't just sort of tapered away and I never really paid much attention to it. So I had this experience, I came back and conscious mind jumps in suddenly. And like all of a sudden I had awareness of what had happened, except for my conscious mind, you know, our human minds cannot process so much of what our metaphysical, spiritual types of experiences are because it goes beyond the realm of understanding so much of the time. Mm. And I didn't know this then, because again, I didn't have any... Experience with any of it as my conscious mind jumps back in, I just remember I started shaking physically. It was like <laughs> I just couldn't handle what had just ha- I was trying to make sense of what couldn't be you know I couldn't make sense out of, because emotionally that experience was so powerful and real to me, mm. and my human mind was like, really, what just happened. And then, and then I started screaming that, <laughs> what just happened? What just happened? I mean, I was just freaking out for about, I think a good 30 minutes or so.
1: And what did she witness as she was looking at you? Did you look normal? Did she say you looked like you were fine?
0: While I was experiencing it, she had no idea cool. okay. that I was I was just laying there, <laughs> like totally gone. She had no idea. And especially because when she asked me questions, I just popped right back and right, was answering right. her. So once that happened, and she saw me shaking, and she was just like, "Oh my gosh, what I do? <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to practice. What
1: did oh, I do?" Oh man, poor girl.
0: Oh, so once I was able to communicate what happened, I was with the best person I've been paired with to this day. We're friends, and now we teach hypnotherapy certification together. Our oh. training program together. She's a dear friend of mine. Once she heard me explain what had happened, her it was normal. I didn't know this stuff existed. She had already been in that realm for Mm. so much of her life. So she was just like, oh, that's just your galactic family. (laughs) And I'm like, what? (laughs) I have enough family members as it is here. (laughs) (laughs) So she was one of the people I truly feel just like that friend and mentor of mine who handed me the Brian Weiss book, who were put in my life to help walk me through this process. Because when people are blown open like this, it's what we consider a spiritually transformative experience. Mm -hmm. And we're finding, research has found that tons of people have had near-death experiences, but so many more people have had spiritually transformative experiences, which are opening them to the same realm, but without the physical aspect, but they're having the same after effect. Yep. So if someone's blown open like that before a lot of times it can be very difficult. It can be difficult on relationships. That's a huge thing. For a while, my husband, and luckily we're one of the ones who made it through, but 95% of the time when people have near-death experiences, it often ends in divorce or separation. Oh, wow. Because huh. the person changes. like They're not who they were anymore.
1: No. Yeah. And I
0: remember my husband looking at me one day and saying, are you? And then I thought about that and I thought, I don't know. Like I didn't recognize myself. Even to this day, I can look back at that time period and that's the defining moment. You know, we talk about past lives. I feel like who I was prior to that was like another lifetime. Yeah. It was after that time people told me to read about Michael Newton's research. His first book was Journey of Souls. So I did. And I was like, whoa! And then I read Destiny of Souls, which is even more whoa. <laughs> that was the <laughs> stuff they wouldn't let him put in the book at the time because it was uh-huh. earlier in life. And they're like, okay, fine. Now that people have accepted this book, you can put the rest of your research in. That's where he gets into that there are incarnations on in other worlds and other planets that other people have reported. I didn't even know that that was a thing. So, in a way, it freaked me out. I mean, I felt like I was shaking for weeks after. Like my body just. <laughs> was struggling with this adrenaline rush. And in a way, I guess, physically traumatic, even though it was a very, very positive, loving experience.
1: Right, right. It was so drastically different from your reality. Yeah, Yeah.
0: exactly. It's like, okay, well, what is life anymore as we know it? I mean, everything had shifted. So Mm -hmm. I had to go through an integration process Up until very recently, honestly, you are, besides friend circles, and I don't know if you're familiar with the IAMS group. um, Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I I have spoken at some meetings there and shared there. But besides that, you are the first person I have publicly even admitted to having this experience with. Wow. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I felt, I don't know, I felt very drawn as soon as we connected and safe to do that and something in my gut was like, all right, Jen, it's just time. Just yeah. Speak your truth. <laughs> you said. It
1: feels good, right?
0: It does to be able to just say it. And yes, not everybody is going to be ready to receive it. And that's okay. But I have to be okay with I, I can't help what my experience was. That's just right. what happened. And yes, yeah. I come from a very Western trained science based model that couldn't make sense of this experience. But the experience is what it was. And in a way that's validating to me. Yeah. I couldn't have made that up if I had tried.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know. Sometimes I say that about the coincidences or things that happen in my actual life. I'm like, this is clearly not even about me. Like, this is just amazing. Uh, You know, it's just something. synchronistic moments. Yeah. There's something else, you know, guiding all this. So much. So now you're doing this for people, right? You like, you take them between lives. I
0: am. So two weeks after I had that spiritually transformative experience, I had a near-death experience where I had an episode of Yeah, It wasn't weeks enough. <laughs> it wasn't enough. And actually, I received information after the NDE, like, what the heck was all that about? Just this download, like, you wouldn't believe us if we, you know, told you all this existed. Like, you didn't believe that there was much of anything. And so, and I am the type of person where, like I said, if I don't experience it myself, I'm not quick to just leave. Accept it. Yeah. Totally. Or Accept it. Yeah. It's just kind of the personality I've had. So I am way more open now. Way more open. I'll be a
1: little bit more lenient.
0: (laughs) I I get it. Don't need to go through that again. (laughs) Yes. That's so. That was an experience where I was out of body and I was like surrounded by these gem structures that had super bright colors that again, I've not even seen those colors here on earth. It was like this container that was open at the top into outer space. And I was aware I was out of body. I had a 360 degree view. I felt like there were other energies and other beings that were giving energy to that space and it was sustaining my life. And so. I had free will to leave and some people go, <laughs> some people yeah. go. But I also heard a very firm voice saying, do not leave the space, like very firm. And I could feel that. And I f- almost felt like if I left, I wasn't coming back. Like my body was just so weak at that point. The next thing I remembered, I was being pulled out of my car. Because it happened while I pulled over on the side of the road. Like I had a moment of awareness that I was about to lose consciousness and I was able to quickly pull over, be dial husband, and in very slurry speech because I could barely talk, just say, This is where I am, call ambulance. (laughs) And like that was it.
1: Wow. So you were driving and you had your near-death experience. Holy crap.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I could just suddenly feel you're about to pass out. Like I had this awareness, this is it. And I was going. And I do even remember feeling as it was happening if there truly is anything out there, please help me right now. (laughs) And so then I had this whole experience and that's what brought me much more deeper into all this work. And it did take me years, like I said, to really integrate that experience enough to feel okay with it, to just be able to move forward in life. But now I am a transpersonal hypnotherapist. So there's different kinds of hypnotherapy, but this is we're dealing with Realms beyond just the body and mind. I do a lot of emotional processing work through traumas, especially after people have been through some therapy where they can consciously process. And then we go deeper into the emotion. So I do a lot of that work, like around anxious feelings, self confidence, self doubt, that kind of stuff, but also opening up into doing a lot of that work within the spiritual realm. So I am certified in past life regression therapy. Not that I necessarily believe that time is linear. It's just the way our minds perceive it, Mm -hmm. but also life between lives, hypnotherapy, which is specifically through the Newton Institute. Um, Michael Newton is the person who gave us an amazing foundation with his research with over 7,000 people from all different faith backgrounds and deep states of hypnosis to then question them about the afterlife process and the consistencies he found despite
1: the faith background was incredible. Can you tell me what those those consistencies were?
0: Oh gosh, there's so many. But basically the process of what they describe of when we're not incarnated, some of the experiences we have are that we have soul group of a group of other beings who we frequently incarnate with. We're not always incarnated with all of them that we kind of journey together to learn various lessons. He describes that he believes we have a primary soulmate. We very frequently incarnate in different roles together there's soul group there's again this is the human mind trying to make sense in ways that we can understand as human beings so it doesn't mean that the actual representation is exactly like like some people have described library where there's all kinds of information or like you might have heard the akashic records kind of thing right 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 they can access all kinds of information but that in that in between state as energetic beings we are experiencing learning. I mean, we're still learning. So there's always this process of evolution and growth. One of the things people are described as council of elders. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. yeah, visiting the council of elders for a life review. And you may have heard just from talking to people with near-death experiences that in their near-death experience, they had a life review.
1: Right. Karen so there's, um, really yes. talks deeply about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot of, and I know the you know, there have been others as well who had life reviews who have... Because I've worked with people who've described feelings that they caused others to feel, Mm -hmm. for better or worse, that they could actually feel that. And not just those people directly, but then how those people they affected, then affected others. They could feel their feelings too.
1: Wow. So
0: I know, like this experience, and that's just part of the learning process. Council of Elders is part of that. And just receiving insight, reviewing the life experienced, There can be classroom types of activities, a lot of energy work.
1: <laughs> I, 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 know, I laugh because of the way classroom. you say it, but it, yeah, <laughs> but it is, that's what it is. I've seen it actually in meditation where you can go to these different rooms and, you know, learn different skills.
0: Yes. And our, our, again, our human minds perceive, well, it must be a classroom just because that's what, what we have here right. on earth. But, you know, I don't know that, that it's exactly that same Representation, but it's the best way that we can describe the experience. And a lot of times when people are experiencing life between life sessions, they'll be often experiencing way more than they're telling me. Right. Because there just aren't words. And I usually frequently hear, I don't know how to describe this. <laughs> and so sometimes there's not words to really put to the experience. Right. Life selection process is, is one of the areas. Meaning, where, like,
1: what kind of, like, uh, gender or all family? Of it. All of it. Okay.
0: All of it. Yes. So, we're, we'll experience bodies. Like, try out kind of different <laughs> bodies. <laughs> <laughs> and like, well, how would this body help me serve my goals versus this one?
1: It's um, so funny. I honestly say I was a girl because I wanted to accomplish more. Just because if I was a man, I'd be interested in other things, like. Sure. Uh, like you know, just based, on, I I could tell that it was a choice that I made.
0: People describe choosing gender, choosing like the bigger life experiences that we have. There's always free will within mm. that, and so things can change and shift. We always have free will, but in general, a lot of times we'll know it's going to be a short life or a longer life. We might not know exactly how that's going to happen, especially as. Beings, we can't know everything, or else it would defeat purpose. Right, right, right. Of being totally. here, relationships. Yep, that we choose our family members, and that can be a tough one for a lot of people to hear. Because, of course, we have challenges here as human beings, and especially when people have grown up or experienced traumatic types of living conditions mm-hmm. or relationships, that it can be hard to hear that we've chosen these experiences. And sometimes people aren't ready to go there yet and they just need to do their own healing first. Mm. But when they're able to step into really experiencing like, wow, I chose this, it is incredibly empowering.
1: Yeah, that's so what I've seen with my clients. You know, as soon as they do that healing, they can see how it served its purpose and they got the information they were looking for, but didn't realize they were looking for and needing. Yeah. Yeah. Can be a tough one to swallow. I remember reading uh, Carolyn Mace's books, you know, where she says, you know, take responsibility for your illnesses. And I was like, why would I ever want this? <laughs> you know, yep. but like the more that you can kind of zoom out and realize, oh, okay, I learned this, that, and the other thing from it, you know, it, it
0: is empowering. That's true so much. And I think that helped me get through my process with Lyme disease too, because I did work with somebody around a lot of subconscious processing and where are the emotional connections to this. And I do believe that's one of the things that helped. I had been searching for like the right answer all prior to that. And then when I did that work, it I still my body still benefited from physical support and some certain supplements. However, the right ones didn't show up until I did that work. And then suddenly they were there.
1: Interesting. Huh. Yeah.
0: It was like I had to experience that. And part of that process for me too, I think was learning how to let go. I was very much like had a high need for control at that time. I was going to ask you
1: about that. Oh, yeah. Type A. Well, so Let's talk about that because I've seen that with a lot of people who are chronically ill, it really comes down to the heart chakra having really taken a beating. And if you're type A, there's a lot of self-criticism. If you're a control freak, you know, you're learning that you can't control outside circumstances. You can only control your reaction to it. If you don't get that message, you just get hit over like the heart chakra each time. And it really yeah. weakens the field, unfortunately, which organizes the rest of the field. So, is that what you have seen or what you learned?
0: Yes, very much so. And I do a lot of inner critic work with people now, too. And it's some of my favorite stuff to do. And I think because that was so much of my journey, a strong inner critic, and it did serve me. I, you know, I got through graduate school with a 4.0, but I remember a professor pulling me aside in grad school and he said, You know, Jen, you are going to be really great for the field, but terrible for yourself. (laughs) And I didn't know what he meant at the time. I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever.
1: (laughs) Wow, that's so interesting he said that to you. And and isn't it amazing how you didn't hear what he said until later and it made sense, you know, once you had cleared that energy, you're like, oh yeah, I was being extremely hard on myself.
0: Yeah, and gosh, I feel, I think a lot of this journey, I actually have a lot of gratitude now for everything I went through because of where it did enable me to get. It took some work going through that process and it wasn't easy. But I remember laying on the couch one day and that was all I could do at that point because I was so exhausted. I wasn't absorbing any nutrients from the gut paralysis. Mm. Months had gone by. And so I was laying there and it felt like I was so tired that I couldn't even take another breath. Like, I was too tired to breathe. And so, and I had been fighting it all that time because my kids were very young. And I, as a mom, just like, I can't leave my kids. I mean, I was like holding on for them. Mm. And I remember getting to the point where I was so tired, I couldn't fight anymore. And I said to myself, okay, like, I suddenly became at peace with it. And I said, if this is what is meant to be, then I'm ready to just let go. And in that moment, Something that happened. It was just in that brief moment of letting go, suddenly things started to shift. And I found the things that I needed to help me get through to heal emotionally and
1: mentally and then physically. Isn't that always amazing how that happens? Yeah. It's kind of annoying.
0: <laughs> I was like, right. I mean, it's kind of difficult that it takes that much for some of us to get hit over the head to really right. get it. Yeah. <laughs> but I needed that because I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't listening.
1: Mhm yeah well i do i say that you know we get hit by a pebble and then a rock and then a boulder that'll knock us down and then we're like looking up at the sky being like <laughs> what's next like how do i get up you know what is the point of all this you know it makes yeah. you stop and think i always warn my clients or anybody's listening you know listen to those pebbles and rocks because it's just going to get worse
0: <laughs> yes listen
1: <laughs> yeah definitely
0: listen that's absolutely true i don't think everybody has to be hit that hard. And now when I experience really challenging moments, I know they're temporary. Like I have so much of a a different perspective now and trust in them and see them as opportunities and growth. And it's just different.
1: Right. Well, because you've got more compassion for yourself. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Compassion for myself. I was doing all the people pleasing before and putting mm -hmm. myself last. And yeah, I appreciate life so much more now too.
1: What are some really amazing things that have happened in sessions that you've done? Like what's one of your favorite things that you've seen or heard or had somebody to describe?
0: There have been so many experiences. Sometimes every once in a while, there's a session that will really move me and just sort of, I mean, I'll feel the tears kind of welling up. There was one session, oh gosh, many years ago, I remember somebody having an experience. It was somebody who questioned, like I did, is there really anything more than this life? At all. And they weren't in a place of believing it. And this person, we went through a past life regression. And when they crossed over and reconnected with their soul and like their infinite self, they went silent for a while. And I'm just like, (laughs) are they breathing? Like, what's happening here? And then finally, like a tear came down. And this person said, I remember now. Like, I, I mean, and it was, it was more than the words, you know, when you just feel the energy coming mm-hmm. off, like deep, deep remembrance of who they were. I will never forget that. And then ever since, you know, just people being able to reconnect with their higher self. And really, it's just beautiful. The insight and the wisdom that flows through for people.
1: Do people get told like what their purpose is? I'm sure it doesn't happen all the time if it does
0: Oftentimes happen. people do. So in my past life regression sessions, it also includes it in utero or womb regression, which is part of the Newton Institute method. So there is that additional piece. And that is where people are experiencing their very first soul memories of coming into this life. There can be some entanglement with mom stuff because oh. a lot of times our consciousness <laughs> yes. is not separate from moms. So right. sometimes we have to do some intervention there and some therapeutic types of clearing and ancestral healing and things like that. But a lot of times people have an awareness of why it is they're coming in. If they don't gain it there, then a lot of times they'll gain it in the spiritual realm. I can't say it's 100% for people that they will get that, but most people do. And sometimes it can be very specific, like you're meant to do something very specific in their life. It can also be very often simple, but complex of a real connection to unconditional love or noticing the simplicity of life and experiencing that. But it's often so much simpler than our human minds want. (laughs) Yeah. Want it to be.
1: Yeah. I feel like a lot of the times the message from Spirit is have fun. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, exactly. well, that's not specific enough for me. <laughs> 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 they're like, why do we have to be? Yeah. So, yeah. We we do complicate things way too we much. Think
0: it's got to be this like big, grand, whatever with mm-hmm. our lives when really that fun and that joy, happiness, peace comes in the simplicity.
1: So do you ever have an issue with somebody like having that experience and it's totally different from what they're doing? And then they're like, great thanks a lot. <laughs> I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Or are they just kind of like, because it happens so it, like the, intuitively that they know that it's true and that they'll get there. But I'm sure some people get frustrated.
0: Yeah. Uh, some people go in wanting maybe it to be a certain experience. And Michael Newton even found in his research, certain questions he asked that people would think one thing prior to coming in and they would be surprised to discover something else about their soul being. And so, yep, that can happen at times. I have had some people completely shift careers. Like, that's it. I'm quitting. I'm done. I'm doing this thing. My human self is just like, oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not taking responsibility for this. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's your soul that told you that, but it's worked out. And, you know, I have gotten to a place now because I've worked with so many people for a lot of years now that I have arrived really fully in this place of trust that people are receiving exactly what they need to and are meant to receive. Sometimes people want more too, and they're just not ready for it because they need to experience something specific first. Mm -hmm. And so I just trust that whatever's there and coming through what is needed for them.
1: So how is your husband now with all the things that you do?
0: Oh gosh, he's my biggest supporter. So he Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily align with and hold the same views I do about everything. I mean, he's a very earth-based Kind of guy loves nature and we have that connection, but he's not into the metaphysical spiritual stuff. It's just not his thing. And yet he encourages me and completely supports me. Like if I ever have gut intuition, like I have to do something and it doesn't make any sense. He trusts me enough to know it's what I gotta do and it's going to work out and he will really fully support me. So it has been important for me. And I find a lot of the people I work with to have a community because there's times where it's like, I want him to fill that role. And that's just not what he's meant to be. And Mm. I do have gratitude in a way for having some separateness from it too, so that... Because he grounds me.
1: (laughs) Right, right, right. I feel like we we need people like (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so very much. I mean, I could be floating in the rafters all the time. Otherwise. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I do find that, you know, very day-to-day kind of energy to be very helpful for me, but it has been essential for me to establish. And luckily, you know, I'm grateful that I had people walking in person after person after person after I had the spiritually transformative experience at NDE that formed a community Because I know a lot of people struggle feeling like they're alone. They don't have anybody to talk to. People will think they're crazy. I've seen people be put on medication after NDEs when it's really they're just going through an integration process. Mm -hmm. Having that community of people who you align with and they're people who I can be very real and human with, (laughs) you know, because we're humans. And so we have this human experience, but also speak the spiritual with has been I think, the most important thing out of anything.
1: Thank you for sharing all that. <laughs>
0: yes, uh, I know it's a lot. I feel like I've been talking forever.
1: <laughs> no, I love it. I, I have one last question for you. So the person that started all this, when you looked into their eyes and you had this deep knowingness that you knew them, who was yep. that? Do you know that person now?
0: Not very in-depth. I keep the name anonymous because I don't know that they want this all out there. I did not share anything with this person for many months. Nothing because I didn't even know what was happening, it freaked me out. I felt like there was such a like a deep understanding of this person, and it was just scary to me like, why do I know all of this about you, and I don't know this about my own family? I had to go through my own process. however, months went by, and I kept having this gut intuition like you're supposed to you're supposed to tell person and so I wasn't fully on board with that, but I remember I was sitting at a stoplight or a, a stop sign one day and There weren't many cars around at all. It was in not a very busy area. And I was sitting there and I kept getting this strong gut feeling. And so I said, fine, if there's really anything that exists and you really want me to say something, then you need to give me a sign right now. (laughs) I (laughs) I was just that kind of person. Yeah. Right then, I swear this person, it was like slow motion is what it felt like. Drives around in their vehicle, the only car and passed me right then in that moment it really f- kind of freaked me out. My, I remember I was sitting by myself in the car and my jaw dropped open. And I'm like, okay, I'll say something.
1: <laughs> so a, a car drove past you? At it a was stop- that person. Oh, it was that person. Yes. Whoa. It was that
0: person. <laughs> yes. And at that time we had run into each other on and off sporadically and it's since stopped. And there were many times I had run in, I had actually almost hit that person <laughs> a couple of times. <laughs> in the car and I don't even know if they were aware of that or if it was just my awareness. But there were times where I'd be backing out of parking lot and they'd be right there. Or wow. like, yeah, just something would happen fairly frequently. And I was just like, what? Why does this keep showing up for me? I don't understand. So I did tell the person and and I think there was enough like I think it resonated that there mm-hmm. was more, but I also think it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> It was a lot. And you were there a spiritually
1: transformative experience.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it can be a little much for people. And that's why I had to learn like, all right, tone it down. Not everybody is ready to hear this. Right. And, you know, honestly, after a while, everything stopped, stopped running into this person. Everything stopped. And I felt like finally, I was also emotionally and mentally ready to let it go. For a while, I was like obsessed about what is this? And it's because I had been opened up to a whole new world. I just didn't, I was trying to make sense of what was happening and I couldn't let it go. I finally just let it go, stopped running into the person. And now I have awareness that that person was really, like we weren't meant to connect in any other way in life. It was my wake-up call. We've been connected, I am sure of that in other incarnations. I have had some very, very detailed experiences where that was the case in various roles, twins, like siblings, like all kinds of roles, but we weren't meant to connect. And it was more just like, bam, wake up, hmm. you know, open up into the new world. And it was for me to be able to have that wake up call. That's what it served as.
1: Wow. And, yeah. and it makes sense because you would feel comfortable with somebody who you energetically knew to help shift it out. Even if you didn't have that awareness in this lifetime. Yep. So cool. You have been fascinating to talk to. It's <laughs> been a joy. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And this. that's what I love. That's what it should be. Now it's out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's done. So can you tell everybody how they can find you or reach you and get information? Sure. About you?
0: Jennifer Catlin. So my name c a t l i n dot and you know if people want to contact me there's a form it'll go to my email or can set up a consult call.
1: Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Way. I think I'd like to do a regression uh, with you.
0: <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this year, this year, I'm actually embarking along with my colleague on some research we want to do on womb regression because there's not a lot out there, but it's very powerful. So we are offering some free womb regression sessions. Ooh, I'll do that. Yeah, I would love sure to do that, that with you. I'm a twin, so there'd be oh, some interesting. Oh my information. gosh, and she's a twin too. My oh, colleague. interesting. She's a twin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So multiples is really, really interesting to us to get that experience in the room. We are looking for people. I think you would be fine if person has never experienced hypnotherapy before or anything like that. Okay, it might not be the best thing to jump into. From the get go, because it really does take an ability to just kind of let go into mm. that space. But people who not that they've had to they have hypnotherapy, but at least, you know, maybe meditation practice or something where they feel like they can just really let go.
1: I have to tell you that one time I was working with a client, we were working on resistance to change, like not wanting things to change in life. And I was brought back to the womb when I was witnessing her healing. And we talked about what happened in the womb. And she then had no fear of change after what she had been imprinted with at that time, the emotion. So that's pretty cool.
0: it really is. And in that space, we can determine, okay, was something carried in from another lifetime? Did it develop in the womb or after? And so it, it can be very powerful. There's work you can do with, again, that stuff around connection with mom and
1: all kinds of things. Yeah. Well, you're sitting in a soup of somebody else's, you know, like your yeah. mom's soup <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> from her whole life, you know, <laughs> and all right. the things that she's experienced. And then she was in your grandmother. So there's lots to be uncovered there for sure. Yeah. And that's really cool that you do that. Yeah, I know that, that can be very powerful when you move that energy. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're Thank amazing you and you amazing me. work.